Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain... Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hello and welcome to the BBC Good Food Podcast with me, Tracy Ray. We're discussing the ever-popular and often controversial diet known as the keto or ketogenic diet. We'll be discussing what exactly a keto diet is, whether it's considered healthy, whether it's helpful for those looking to lose excess weight, and the top misconceptions surrounding this trendy diet today. Joining me in the studio is Adele O'Doherty, a registered nutritional therapist and founder of Knowledge for Health, a Dublin-based clinic specializing in chronic illness. Adele is a certified ketogenic nutrition specialist with the American Nutrition Association, qualified with the Institute for Functional Medicine, and trained with leading neurologist Dr. Dale Bresden at the Buck Institute for Research on Aging. Hi, Adele. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Tracy. Thank you so much for having me. So lovely to have you here. I feel like when I was uh, pulling some information for your introduction, you had such an incredibly long bio um, with so many amazing credentials. I could have been here for days, but I tried to shorten it up a little bit. I hope I did you justice. Oh, you did. Thank (laughs) you. So I'm absolutely thrilled to have you here because the keto diet is something that we're asked about so much. It's something we hear about in the media a lot. Um, And I really just want to take the time to speak to an expert like yourself and really get the the one-one on what it is. Should we be doing it? Is it amazing or is it all a fad? (laughs) (laughs) That's a tall order. (laughs) No pressure, no pressure. Um, So to begin with, let's just, for anyone listening that uh, isn't familiar with the keto diet and maybe hasn't heard about this approach before, would you mind telling us a little bit about what exactly it is? Okay, so... When people ask me about the ketogenic diet and say, you know, what is the keto diet and how do you do it? I tend to hold back a little bit and and not, you know, 
give them information like it's prescriptive or that it's formulaic. To me, ketogenic eating is a way of eating that means that you have these chemicals or compounds called ketones circulating in your bloodstream. And there's a variety of different ways that you can achieve levels of ketosis, as we call it, um, ranging from eating a certain way and eating certain macronutrients in certain ratios, all the way to fasting in a certain way. Um, And in fact, you know, ketosis itself is a very ancient state of existence. You know, as far back as four or 500 BC, we see um, records and evidence of people using ketosis as a as a treatment for neurological kind of disorders like epilepsy and things like that. And that's recorded historically. Um, and that would have been achieved by fasting traditionally. Um, and of course, you know, it would have been achieved based on the sorts of foods that people are eating. And, and we all know in four and 500 BC, processed foods didn't exist. Right? Yes. <laughs> so, um, People tend to think that the ketogenic diet is very formulaic and, and, and you eat a certain way. And if you look it up on Dr. Google, you know, you'll find eat this, don't eat that. But, you know, there's lots of different ways to get into ketosis and there's lots of different benefits that you can get from it. That's really, really interesting, actually, because I think we we also talk about fasting a lot. Um, in fact, we have another episode where we're discussing fasting at length. Mm-hmm. And to kind of think about it that way, that ketosis is actually the goal. So when you're talking about a ketogenic diet, ketosis is the goal. There's many ways of getting into that. It's not just necessarily this one specific diet or the types of foods you're eating. It can also be the way you eat or even not eat. The way you don't eat. The way you don't eat. And the way you don't eat, I think, is often more important or as important as the way you do eat. Mm. Because Today, in, in, in the common world that we live in, we actually eat too much and we eat too often. We eat too frequently. So, you know, getting into ketosis is not as difficult as people might like to think it is. And it's a state of existence that, for the most part, most people would be in mild ketosis in the morning when they wake up if they've fasted accordingly overnight. You know, if we stopped eating at 7 or 8 p.m. at night, like we should do, and don't eat until eight or nine o'clock the next morning. That's 12 or 13 hours without food. Um, and, and what happens when your body doesn't have food, when you're in a fasted state, is that you start burning your own body's resources for fuel. Um, and, you know, carbohydrates don't hang around in the system for very long. We burn through those quite quickly. And then the first thing we turn to for energy after that is our fat stores. Um, and when you burn fat to make energy, you also make ketones as a byproduct of that. And that's how you get into ketosis. I love that. So basically, as long as we're not snacking too late at night, we're all waking up in uh, a ketogenic state. Yeah. And there's a, it, there's a lot of benefit to achieving a natural, very mild ketogenic state. Hmm. Health without, without even noticing. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the fasting aspect. And actually, When it comes to the ketogenic diet particularly, so what foods I actually do need to eat if I want to use the dietary approach to get into ketosis, what are we talking? Okay, so if we're forgetting about fasting altogether and we're thinking, what macronutrients do I need to eat? So what carbohydrates, protein, fat do I need to have in what ratios to call it a ketogenic diet? 
Um, you're talking about quite a high fat diet. So 70 to 80 percent of your calorie intake would come from fat. Um, between 10 and 20 percent of your calorie intake would come from protein and 5 to 10 percent of your calorie intake would come from carbohydrates. Um, and when when we say carbohydrates, we're talking, you know, when I talk to, to clients of mine in clinic about carbohydrates, they're, they're thinking pasta and potatoes and rice. But, you know, every vegetable, every fruit, every whole grain, everything you eat like that is classified as a carbohydrate. Fruits are carbohydrates, vegetables are carbohydrates, lentils have carbs in them. Protein actually has some carbohydrate in it as well. And every carbohydrate you eat is broken down ultimately into glucose in your bloodstream. And what you're trying to achieve with the ketogenic diet is a very low supply of glucose in the bloodstream. So that's why we would restrict the carbohydrate intake. And we're going for those kind of carbs that have a very low sugar content. So we would be talking about those green leafy veg and veg that grows above the ground. That's kind of the most simple way to think of it. Vegetables that grow above the ground, we kind of restrict all of the simple carbohydrates. So when we say simple carbohydrates, we're talking white rice, white bread, starchy potatoes, things that your body will burn through quite quickly and convert to glucose quickly. We try and get all of those out and keep just those vegetables that grow above the ground primarily. And from a fruit perspective, we're restricting all of the very high sugar fruits. So bananas and things like that are gone. It's mostly berries, blueberries, raspberries, all of those sorts of low sugar fruits. So in essence, when you're talking about carbs on a keto diet, you're almost thinking about the types of foods that a lot of people wouldn't even consider carbs. So those, yeah. you know, leafy green vegetables, your berries, things like that. So I think that's a really good um, mm -hmm. thing to be aware of. Your, your, the pasta and the rice is not even in the equation. Not at all. No. Yeah. And, you know, the protein sources on a ketogenic diet, then we're talking about kind of moderate levels of protein. So, you know, one to two grams per kilogram of body weight from protein sources and, you know, healthy protein sources, you know, lean cuts of meat and chicken, fish. Fish is really important because it's a great source of both protein and fat for a ketogenic diet. And then, of course, the fat. So 70 to 80 percent of your calorie intake from healthy fats, which is a, a phrase you hear thrown around quite a lot. Healthy fats. What are what are healthy fats? You know, eat the healthy ones. <clears throat> exactly. And it's a very, very common mistake that people make when they they say they're going to eat a ketogenic diet. They say, oh, ketogenic diet, okay, high in fat. That means bacon and eggs for breakfast every morning. That is not a well-formulated, healthy ketogenic diet, uh, bacon and eggs. That's, that's kind of harking back to the old days of the Atkins diet. Um, so we really are talking about nuts and seeds, avocados, extra virgin olive oil, healthy amounts of saturated fat from butter and things like that, small amounts of that. Um, if you actually think about what I said about your body burning through its own fat stores for fuel, the cells in our body are made up of predominantly monounsaturated fat, about 30-40% monounsaturated fat, about 16% polyunsaturated fat and a small amount of saturated fat. So we really want to be providing the body with monounsaturated fat because that's what it likes to 
burn through. So that's our extra virgin olive oil, our avocados, our nuts, our seeds, our nut butters and things like that. Mm, definitely. That's a really good way of explaining it. And actually, for anyone listening, um, unsaturated fats, I think typically you could categorize them under the animal fat category and then unsaturated fats, poly and mono, um, generally under the plant. That's not exclusive, but just general, kind of generally give the, a general yeah, group. The saturated fat would be sourced from animals. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think with any popularized diet, such as the the ketogenic diet, there's always going to be upsides and downsides. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to start by picking your brain on what are some of the benefits that are coming out around um, eating in a ketogenic friendly way? Like, Mm -hmm. why should I be considering a keto diet? So there's a very, very long history going way, 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 way back to the early 1900s about being in ketosis and the benefit for epilepsy. Mm. It's very, very well researched. Um, There's a lot of data there. There's a lot of peer-reviewed research, you know, around epilepsy and having high levels of circulating ketones. Now, when we say high levels, we mean between zero and five millimolar, you know, not very high levels because that's a concern if if people's ketone levels get very high and that can happen with uncontrolled diabetes. You can get a thing called ketoacidosis if your ketone levels are very, very high. Um, We're maintaining them between zero and five and there's an awful lot of great research, you know, around epilepsy and there's a couple of great foundations that have been set up by the parents of children who have used the ketogenic diet to control their epilepsy. There's also a great amount of research around diabetes. And, you know, historically, going back to even 1860, there's research um, and and anecdotally and also documented research of people using low-carbohydrate diets to control diabetes and also to control weight. Interesting. So I I think it's very clear that there's a lot of... um, really, really fascinating research coming out at the moment, particularly in the medical application of of Mm -hmm. a ketogenic diet. Um, But you also did mention it um, in in relation to weight loss. Um, And I do think that while, you know, as fascinating and amazing as all of this research around the, the medical benefits are, I do think that when we talk about the ketogenic diet, you know, in the media and on a day-to-day basis, realistically, a lot of us are wondering, but does it help with weight loss? <laughs> well, that's the magic question that everyone always wants answered, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. I'd love to get your thoughts just in terms of specifically if you were applying the keto diet to someone that's just looking to to support weight loss. They don't have any other uh, pre-existing conditions. Um, they just want to lose weight, ideally in an efficient and fun way if possible. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, first of all, before I... I talk about that, I'll just clarify. I am a, a, a certified ketogenic nutritionist, but I don't see weight loss clients. So that might tell you a little bit about what I'm going to say. Um, so one of the very, you know, interesting side effects of going on a ketogenic diet is that people observed that um, people on a, those on a ketogenic diet would lose weight. Um, and Kind of harking back to what I was saying earlier about burning through your own body's fat stores. It takes 
a couple of weeks after you embark on a ketogenic diet to become what we call fat adapted. So that means you stop burning carbohydrates exclusively for energy and you switch into fat burning mode. And what we do to achieve that is we supply a lot of healthy fats in the diet to encourage the body to adopt that way of creating energy. Then if people want to lose weight, what we would do, and I do this only in clinic under medically supervised conditions, because if people are overweight or if they're insulin resistant, and I can explain insulin resistance if you'd like, but if they are overweight or if they are type 2 diabetic, they will be most likely medicated for something. So they'll have high blood pressure or they'll be on a statin or they'll be on some kind of type 2 diabetes medicine uh, medication. And that would need to be adjusted. So it has to be medically supervised. But we then withdraw part of the fat delivery in the diet so that the uh, client or the patient starts burning through their own fat stores. So they're actually burning off their own body fat. And that's a very efficient way of losing weight, obviously. Mm. But it has to be very, very closely monitored because there are an awful lot of associated things that come along with that and, and side effects that can happen as a result of that. Definitely. I think that's a really good point in terms of all of the other uh, bits that go along with that, um, which kind of brings me to the question of downsides, because very clearly in the research, there's some really, really interesting potential benefits. And I know that you've seen a lot of these in, yeah, in and, clinic. And medically therapeutic benefits. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But when it comes to the flip side of it, for, you know, when people are approaching the ketogenic diet in a medically supervised facility, your practitioners are going to be monitoring any of these kind of potential downsides and things. So it's not exactly something to worry about. But for people that might be out there who are reading about the ketogenic diet, they're giving it a go. They're kind of following a, a diet plan that they, they found online. What are some of the downsides that they could potentially experience? Mm -hmm. There are some downsides to going on a ketogenic diet, and I really want people to think carefully about, you know, just reading stuff on the Internet and, and, and adopting a ketogenic diet, because it's not to say that it's unsafe, but because everybody's biochemically individual and everybody's different, genetically different, there are certain, you know, inborn genetic things that would mean you sh definitely should not embark on a ketogenic diet. And we do see some people's cholesterol panels go completely off the scales and their LDL or their bad cholesterol, as it's referred to, which is a bit of a misnomer, but their bad cholesterol go very, very high. And that can be a familial genetic issue that we would really need to know about. And you need to be monitoring your cholesterol levels. So you need to be going and getting it checked regularly if you're on a ketogenic diet. Um, from the point of view of just general side effects, um, keto flu is the most common one that people should be prepared for. Um, it takes a couple of weeks, like I was saying, to become fat adapted. And in that period of time, we can experience what we call the keto flu. So that's fatigue, tiredness, headaches, sniffly nose. It's like a flu. You know, it's like any other flu. 
Um, and that very often happens because that switch from burning glucose for fuel to burning fat for fuel is happening. But also, if you're completely changing your diet, you're pulling out all of the processed foods and you're pulling out a lot of the whole grains and the breads and the things like that that you would have been eating. And what we see quite frequently is that people's sodium and potassium levels dip. Now, I have a little bit of a bugbear about salt <laughs> because um, if people are eating a generally healthy diet and they're not eating processed foods, they don't really need to be concerned about salt in their diet. If you're adopting a ketogenic diet, you more, more than likely need to actually add salt because you will get leg cramps, you will get keto flu, your sodium and potassium levels dip. So it's something to be very mindful of and you can get dizzy and feel quite weak. Um, your magnesium levels also drop. So, you know, you will get pain and cramping in the legs and things like that. It's a very good case again for, you know, I know we've said this a few times, but the idea that the ketogenic diet is a very medical dietary approach mm -hmm. and, you know, the necessity for having that clinical support and review to make sure that you're doing it if you choose so in a healthy way. Of course. And then with every, you know, couple of pounds or stone that you lose, if you want to lose weight, any supplement or any medication you're taking needs to be adjusted. Um, Interesting. And you need to be very mindful of your fluid intake as well, you know, because your body's like this lovely unit that likes to keep everything in between the, the rails. You know, it's a homeostatic unit. So if your sodium and potassium drop, your body will try and correct that by altering the function of your kidneys, you know. Absolutely. So you need to be thinking about hydration. You know, so there's a whole load of different things that come into play. So when it comes to the keto diet, again, so many misconceptions and myths out there. Mm -hmm. So if it's okay with you, I'd love to throw a few um, queries that we, we see out there on the keto diet. Okay. And if you can give me a little <laughs> bit of a true-false situation. Okay. I okay. want the deets. <laughs> <laughs> so to begin with, keto is the fastest, most effective way to lose weight. Keto is the fastest, most effective way to lose weight. Um, keto is quite an effective way to lose weight. Um, the fastest, you will probably lose quite a lot of weight in the first week or two, as you do with any diet, really, to be honest. Um, and it's mostly water weight. Like I was saying about, about your kidney function changing, it's mostly water weight. And then, to be honest with you, things slow down quite a bit on the keto diet because you have to get into fat adaptation. And that can take up to two weeks. Um, and, you know, if you've got the keto flu and you're feeling generally quite crappy, you know, because you're not taking on enough salt or, you know, you're not maybe taking electrolytes and things like that, it, that couple of weeks stint there can be quite tricky. Um, like I wouldn't recommend it as the easiest way to lose a lot of weight quite quickly. It, it's quite a difficult way of eating yeah. um, and it takes quite a bit of adaptation and it's quite restrictive. You know, you really, really want to be getting the benefit therapeutically, I think, to make it worthwhile. Yeah. Um, it's also quite hard to stick with in the long term. Yeah. Unless you're really doing it for a very um, serious reason. You know, if, if you have cognitive decline or Parkinson's or some form of autoimmunity. Yeah. Yeah. There needs to be probably a stronger drawn purpose mm -hmm. to sticking with it. Whereas for if it's just weight loss that you're after, I think that there's some more joyful ways. <laughs> well, there are. And, you know, 
weight loss has to be a lifestyle and it has to be a, a long term lifestyle. And, you know, if we look at the one year statistics for people who've lost weight on other diets and who've lost weight on the ketogenic diets, it's about the same at the one year mark. So unless you have some form of metabolic dysfunction, you know, so some issue where you're not processing sugars properly, there's easier more comfortable, more enjoyable ways. And and there's other things, lots of other things that you need to do as well, apart from just changing your nutrition to lose weight. There's sleep and exercise and taking a look at your stress management and things like that. You know, it has to be all encompassing. So just, and it's just a common thing, error that people make when they're trying to lose weight. They think if they just change their diet, that that will solve everything. And of course, we know if you don't make all the other lifestyle changes as well, it's not sustainable in the long term. Yeah. So keto is the same as low carb. So keto is not the same as low carb. Um, now, there are varying levels of the ketogenic diet. Um, in a therapeutic mode, you know, that I would, you know, work with the medical team and, and work with people who say have cognitive decline or something like that. You're talking less than 20 grams of carbohydrates per day maybe 20 to 50 at a push. Uh, low carb, you're eating between 50 and 150 grams of carbohydrates per day. And low carb can also be quite high protein as well. It, You know, an awful lot of um, exercisers and bodybuilders and things like that would eat low carb, but they'd eat very high protein too. Um, keto is low carb, moderate protein, but very high fat. And, and that's the real difference. That's very clear to me. Um, keto is the way our ancestors ate. It's the natural way humans should be eating. I hear, I see a lot of that on the internet and, and I, I see a lot on on the internet about paleo diets as well being, you know, our ancestral diet. I mean, I, I, I don't have a crystal ball, so I don't know what the caveman was eating in, in paleolithic times. I mean, we can estimate what they were eating. And this actually goes back to what I was saying at the very beginning. Being in ketosis and a natural state of ketosis because you're fasted definitely would have been the way that people existed um, ancestrally because food wasn't freely available the way it is now. Um, you know, fruit was available in the summer and you ate fruit in the summer. Um, if you hunted an animal down and you killed it, you had a large supply of meat and fat for a limited amount of time. And your body would very efficiently store that fat for later on. Um, and some of us are more efficient at storing that fat than others. <laughs> and that can be a drawback for people. That's actually a gene that we test for sometimes in clinic. It's called the fatso gene, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I unfortunate yeah, name. Yeah, it's the FTSO gene. Um, and some people are really, really good at storing fat and converting excess carbohydrates into fat and storing them. Um, to say it's our ancestral diet, you know, yeah, I mean, natural foods, meats, vegetables, berries, nuts, thats that would have been our ancestral diet and periods of natural ketosis as a result of maybe a hunt not going successfully would have been quite common, I'd imagine. Definitely. I always think when it comes to this topic of ancestral diets, as you say, no one has a magic ball, um, but definitely two strong threads are 
the practice of fasting, not always a conscious practice, mm-hmm. but just if a hunt didn't go so well. Um, and also just unprocessed foods. Unprocessed foods. Um, so yeah. I think, you know, any diet that has those two elements quite strongly, you know, it's probably not doing yeah. so bad. And and the, the diet that has the most research around it for being supportive of healthy weight and of health is the Mediterranean diet, mm-hmm. you know, and all we can do, I'm a scientist by nature. I mean, my my original qualification was in chemistry. I'm a scientist. The data tells me the Mediterranean diet is the best diet for longevity and for health. If you're generally well, but want to lose a few pounds, it, the Mediterranean diet would be probably the best diet to adopt. Yeah. You can eat as much fat as you want to on a keto diet. All the bacon, all the eggs, all the butter, <laughs> give it all. That depends what your goals are. Isn't it? <laughs> I mean, if weight loss is not your goal, yeah, eat as much fat as you want, or even maintaining your weight is not your goal. But, you know, fat is very, uh, you know, fatty foods are very calorie dense. And that's one of the reasons that the ketogenic diet is enjoyable. I know we were giving out about it and saying it's hard and strict and all that. It is actually quite enjoyable because fatty foods are calorie dense and they're very tasty. But you can get your 70 or 80 percent of your calories from fat quite quickly without eating too much fat. You know, like an avocado a day some extra virgin olive oil and a piece of salmon, then you're probably over your fat allowance for the day. So if you eat too much fat, there's a there's two questions really there. Is it too much of the wrong type of fat? So if too much saturated fat can, you know, it just isn't good for your health, too much saturated fat. We do need a certain amount of it. It wouldn't exist if we didn't need it. We do need it, but too much of it is not healthy. Um, and certainly for certain genetic profiles, saturated fat is a big no-no. Um, if you're trying to lose weight, like I was saying earlier on, once you're fat adapted on a low carb or ketogenic, I mean, you can become fat adapted on a lower carb diet. It doesn't have to be ketogenic. You will start burning through your own body's fat stores for fuel. So you would need to pull back on your intake of fats in that instance and start eating yourself for want of a better word. Amazing. So... We only have time for one more question. I feel like I could just throw these at you all day. But the final question being, there are no off days on a ketogenic diet. It really depends what the goal is. And it depends how strict, how strictly you're controlling that diet. And it also depends what you call an off day. I mean, is, is an off day eating a pepperoni pizza? If an off day is eating a pepperoni pizza, well, there's none of those. That's <laughs> <Okay>. for sure. <laughs> there's definitely no none of those. Days. Because you'd be way over your carb allowance in one slice, you know. So off days on a ketogenic diet, you know, I would have done a ketogenic diet because I'm a big believer in, you know, experiencing a way of eating before I would recommend it to clients and clinics. So I have done it myself. I did lose some weight, but the weight loss stalls quite quickly on a ketogenic diet, like I said before, and then you have to start pulling back on your fat. So, and, and eating fat, like I said, it's very filling, eating fat. Uh, and you know, an off day for me was fasting, to be honest. An off day was, oh, I'm just not going to eat today because I don't really want to eat cheese or more avocados or, you know. Yeah. So there, there aren't really off days on a ketogenic diet. But then that depends on the goal. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, you know, it's a good point, um, I think, even to end on in the sense of, again, bringing it back to the idea of applying a ketogenic diet to weight loss versus, you know, kind of a medically supervised uh, keto diet for, you know, a chronic condition. Mm -hmm. There are no off days, essentially, in in a keto diet in the way of that cheat day. So, you know, if you do want to kind of lose weight and still have like a bit of a social life or, you know, kind of have a little bit of flexibility, it probably isn't, you know, the one If you start eating carbohydrates again, your body prefers burning carbs. It'll switch straight back. Now, that said, if you are in ketosis, um, you know, using a ketogenic diet to regain your metabolic flexibility in the short term is quite a good thing if you don't if you if you are not metabolically flexible to begin with so if you are struggling to use glucose for fuel which is what happens if you're insulin resistant or if you're diabetic so if you struggle struggle with blood sugar levels blood sugar so you're eating carbohydrates you're breaking them down into glucose the glucose is getting into your bloodstream but you can't get it into the cells to use it for fuel so you're feeling tired, tired instead of energetic exactly. when you're eating carbs yeah. and sugar. Yeah, uh, yeah. If carbs are making you tired, if you're getting the three p.m. slump, you've got to look at your blood sugar balancing. But if you use a ketogenic diet, your body can use those ketones for fuel. So you will get energized. You will get more energy. It is one of the benefits of the ketogenic diet. And once you do that, you can restore your sensitivity to glucose again, which means you can quite easily switch between one and the other. And that's the ideal scenario. That's the way ancestral man would have been. If there was meat and fat there, he'd use that. If there were only berries available, he'd be able to use that. If he had to fast, he'd use his own body stores. That's the goal. That's the goal. (laughs) Be able to be metabolically flexible. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for uh, being here. I've really, really enjoyed speaking to you and I honestly feel like I've learned so much. Um, For anyone that would like to find out more about Adele and the keto diet, you can find all the links on our podcast page on bbcgoodfood.com forward slash podcast. Thanks, Adele. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the BBC Good Food Podcast. Join us on Thursday for our bonus cook-along recipe. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode.